Okay, welcome to the Decipher podcast. I'm Dennis Fisher, Editor-in-Chief of Decipher, and my guest today is Patrick Wardle, a very well-known Mac and iOS security researcher, and and he's been around for a long time doing some of the most interesting uh, offensive and defensive security work on, on Apple products. Uh, so Patrick, thanks very much for joining me. Aloha, Dennis. Uh, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Super stoked to... Uh chat with you today. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I kind of wanted to start with how you got into the Mac security game to begin with. Um, You know, it's been probably, I don't know when I first became aware of your work, maybe six or seven years ago. Um, I don't know when you first started building the tools, like the public tools that you've been putting out, like Knock Knock and Lulu and that kind of stuff. But um, how did you first jump into kind of the Apple security world? It's kind of an interesting story. Uh, so in a past career, uh, I worked for the National Security Agency um, doing, let's say, offensive cybersecurity um, research operations, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so when I left that, um, you know, I really wanted to um, be able to continue using my foundational skills, such as reverse engineering, malware analysis, et cetera, et cetera. But I didn't want to, you know, cross any lines, talk about anything that was classified, upset anyone who, you know, still worked at the agency. And so one very clean way to do that was to focus on a completely new platform, um, which was Mac and and, and iOS. Uh, So, you know, at the NSA, I I did predominantly Windows type uh, research. Um, So I figured, you know, Mac, brand new kind of platform for me. Um, And also there weren't a lot of security researchers uh, looking that. So kind of pivoted transition to that. As I mentioned, I was able to still use a lot of the foundational skills that apply to, you know, kind of any operating system or, or platform uh, without really um, having to worry about stepping on any toes. So that's kind of how I got started in that. And then the more I looked into that, um, you know, I really saw there weren't a lot of, of tools. Um, for example, uh, I had a friend, uh, a surfboard shaper, actually he said, "Hey, Patrick, my Mac is hacked. Can you <laughs> come look at it?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." You know, look at people's computers, look for malware, and and I hadn't done a lot of uh, that kind of research on a Mac yet. Got to his house and I uh, was like, "Okay, well, on Windows, I would download, you know, uh, SysInternals or Microsoft's Auto Run tool to see what software is set to persistently launch, and that usually uncovers the, the majority of of malware." Um, mm-hmm. Turns out there wasn't such a tool uh, on Mac OS, so. Went home, wrote a little script uh, that did that, went back to his house and sure enough, found some persistent uh, adware that had infected his um, system. And so that was kind of the inspiration to start writing some of these uh, public tools. It was really just to fill a void or a need that I saw um, where there weren't, um, in some cases, uh, tools that fulfilled these capabilities. Or in other cases, there was only closed sourced uh, commercial versions that, uh, you know, cost a decent chunk of, of money. Yeah. Why do you think it is that there isn't, or I guess there still isn't, but definitely wasn't back then kind of that security ecosystem around the Mac platform? Is it just kind of a consequence of the way that Apple operates? Um, That's an excellent question. And I'm not sure I have the exact answer, some thoughts that come to mind. Um, You know, I think now, you know, most uh, security researchers, a lot more tech people use Mac and MacBooks. But, you know, let's say early 2000s, that probably wasn't necessarily um, the case. People were using maybe a lot more Linux systems or Windows systems. 
Um, so kind of as Mac and Apple um, matured and start putting out these great products like MacBook Pros, um, I think more people started um, using that. And so before that, there probably just wasn't as much of a need or demand. Um, I think also, um, you know, a security professionals, hackers, researchers, we generally didn't grow up using Mac computers. Again, it was either Linux likely or perhaps um, Windows. And so writing tools that are Mac specific, uh, you know, takes kind of a, a different shift. You have to spend some time kind of on a new platform. Obviously, it can be done, but um, I know, for example, a lot more uh, Windows malware analysts and security researchers and tool developers. Um, there's just not as many, uh, let's say, Mac developers that also have background in in hacking or, or security. So I think probably those are some of the uh, main reasons. And and if we look kind of in the commercial space, you know, like why aren't there more of these uh, security tools? I think it just comes down to market share and, and profits. Um, you know, I think Windows yeah. still has... 85, 90% of the personal computing market. So if you're a company, you're obviously going to spend the majority of your time, your research, your development, focusing on products uh, for Windows because that's where the most um, money is. And that's also why I think we don't have as much Mac malware because, again, (laughs) the hackers are going to usually target the largest uh, percentage of the market share. It's just kind of supply and demand, simple economics. Right. Yeah. I mean, the attackers, like everybody else, are going to go where the potential money is, right? Like, they're, <laughs> why go after a small uh, target base when you could go after a much bigger one? Yeah. But we are starting to see some changes, you know, as Macs become more prolific, um, you know, especially, you know, in the, in the US, uh, you know, West Coast, kind of the startup culture, like everybody uses Macs. And if you also yeah. think in a lot of the corporate environments, the C-level execs oftentimes will have uh, MacBooks. And also now as, you know, the younger um, adults are entering the workforce, a lot of millennials, you know, they grew up using iPhones and Macs. So they're really often requesting or pushing for Macs in, in the enterprise. So Macs are becoming more prolific. So hackers are starting to take notice. And we see this especially in uh, terms of adware, where there's been a recent kind of um, increase uptick in, in adware, cryptocurrency miners targeting specifically the Mac platform. And some of them are Mac specific, but a lot of them are kind of ports from Windows, meaning there was already a Windows version that, from the hacker's point of view, was very successful in generating decent money. And, you know, if we put our selves in the hacker's shoes, they probably said, oh, look, there's all these Macs out there too. If I can write a version of my tool that runs on Mac, I've now just increased my victim target space and therefore likely the amount of money um, we see. So again, just this kind of pretty standard economics here where, as you mentioned, you know, hackers are going to go where the money is. So if there's more opportunities, they're going to expand into those areas. Yeah, I think you're right about the um, the proliferation of Macs growing pretty quickly, though. I, I certainly see it in like the, you know, just maybe I'm like you in kind of a self-selecting, uh, you know, population where I'm at security conferences and in, you know, tech companies all the time. And I just see people with MacBooks like it's probably been 10 years at least since I used a Windows machine like on a daily basis. Sure. I wouldn't even like know how to, (laughs) I don't even know my Um, way around Windows anymore, you know? And I grew up in the kind of MS-DOS, then to Windows and all that, you know, is what I used. But then once you jump to like Mac OS, you're like, oh man, this is so much easier. (laughs) Yeah, no, not at all. No. 
it's just definitely better. So um, let's talk about the the tools that you've been developing. So you have the, this whole portfolio of kind of um, security focused tools, and they're all free on your Objective C site, which is pretty amazing. Um, so you have Lulu, Do Not Disturb, Knock Knock, all these kind of um, specific tools. And were these all things that you developed kind of the way that you described it earlier? You just saw, like, looked around, felt there was a need for something, and were like, "Ah, I can probably write that." Yeah, exactly. So it was interesting because first and foremost, I kind of wanted to write tools to protect my own Mac. So, you know, and then I figured, you know, sharing is caring. Um, I'm a big (laughs) fan, you know, I live in Maui, you know, there's a lot of hippies here. So I think, you know, I kind of, some of that altruistic, uh, you know, good hearted Aloha spirit run rubs off on, on me. And so like, I'm very passionate in believing that, um, security tools for end users should be free. Um, you know, I don't, you know, for me, it just doesn't sit well to think that, um, you know, making money off basically users protecting themselves. Like that just, that just bothers me. Um, so yeah, like, like you said, a lot of these tools were inspired, uh, either by something I wanted to protect my computer or just something that I thought could, you know, benefit a large number of, of Mac users. And, there's some funny stories behind some of the tools. I think the funniest one is behind Do Not Disturb. Uh, what Do Not Disturb does, it basically will alert you anytime somebody opens your, your MacBook. So it's designed specifically to protect against a type of attack called the Evil Maid attack. And the Evil Maid attack is named after a maid that would come into your hotel room while you're traveling with your computer, perhaps while you're out to dinner or out of your room and, you know, open your laptop and with then physical access very easily uh, ha- hack in. Um, and, you know, this is something we kind of see in the movies, but, you know, this does happen yeah. in real life as well. I mean, the average user, probably not so much, but if you're, you know, a top level exec traveling perhaps to China or some other country, um, you know, it'd be naive to think there's not people who are very interested in the context content of your computer. And an evil maid attack with that physical access is really um, the best way. So anyways, I was in, in Russia, in Moscow for a conference, um, and I was out on this date with this <laughs> very pretty uh, Russian girl who turned uh, out to, uh, you know, have connections with the Russian government, which is kind of what I expected. <laughs> Um, I was traveling with a burner laptop, which means, you know, it wasn't a personal laptop. It was a laptop purchased specifically for that trip. Didn't have any personal information. But while I was out to dinner with her, you know, she was asking some kind of probing questions, which again, I was really not surprised and kind of, you know, walking uh, around those. But I was like, you know, the other option is, you know, maybe she wanted to get me out of the room so that, you know, if someone wanted to access my laptop, now would be the and I have no evidence to see that actually happen. But while I was at dinner, I said, you know, if, or I had the thought if, if someone did mess with my laptop, I would have no idea. So again, something as simple as triggering an alert when your laptop is open and sending it to your you know, phone and then allowing you perhaps to take a picture of, you know, who accessed your your, your laptop. Very simple concept. So I said, OK, look, we can write a, an open source app. Um, you know, make this available for other users, people perhaps who are traveling. Um, so that's kind of one of the, um, you know, that's the story behind do not disturb. And it's funny because every now and again, I get messages from users like, I caught my mom using my laptop. <laughs> no nation state hackers or, you know, spy, spies yet, uh, but still kind of funny. So yeah, there's kind of a little story behind each each tool um, born out of, of, of need or, you know, for example, um, Lulu, there's other great Mac firewall products for end users. 
but they're close source and cost a decent chunk of money. So I figured, hey, look, let's just have another option for Mac users, uh, an open source version that's free. Um, you know, it's not going to be as perhaps feature complete as the commercial product, but, you know, I think it's really important for Mac users to have um, free options. Yeah, and I've, I've used several of them, and they're really easy to use, you know, and you mentioned, you know, your concern, like, if you got back to the hotel, and you might not have any indication of whether somebody came in and messed with your machine or compromised it in some way, left something on there. And if you can't figure it out, there's very little chance that, you know, a typical non-technical user is going to be able to figure it out either. So, you know, having these kind of tools that are simple to use seems like uh, a, a big win for normal users. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, the, you know, as you mentioned, there is a bunch of them. My design philosophy is kind of um, do one thing, do it well. So instead of building, uh, you know, an all-encompassing tool, kind of have these more simpler utilities, which kind of aligns with the more Unix, uh, Linux uh, model where, you know, there's, you know, uh, commands to, uh, to kind of do things individually. Um, but it is interesting because I recently uh, co-founded a company called Digital Security, and what we're basically doing is we're taking many of the kind of detection capabilities um, and the advanced heuristics from these free end user tools, and we're actually building a, an enterprise product um, that will be, um, you know, usable in enterprise environments. Because some of the complaints, valid complaints towards these Objective C tools, there's one. There's a lot of them. So, like, you know, do you install all of them? Certain ones. Um, yeah. And also still, too, you have to be somewhat of a knowledgeable, let's at least say, power user. Um, you know, if if one of these tools pops up or alerts you about something, um, you know, like, you know, like the average uh, Mac user might not necessarily know what to do in that scenario. Um, so what we're kind of doing is we're kind of combining those into um, one tool um, where a lot of the, as I mentioned, the heuristics and detections um are taken from these tools, which have, you know, been proven to be successful and then kind of building an all-in-one uh, enterprise package that, you know, is easier to deploy and that companies can, can use to secure their, their Mac fleet. Oh, that's cool. Cause I, I definitely know there's plenty of enterprises that build their own internal tools to protect Macs. It kind of in the same vein of what you've done because sure. there just isn't good stuff out there. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, there's going to be, uh, there's some companies that do that and, um, you know, that's awesome. I, I almost encourage that in a way um, for them, but it does require a very high level of skill and, you know, an engineering team. So, you know, a lot of companies just obviously don't have the, the time and the resources uh, to do that. So what we do is we kind of bring in our Mac specific uh, knowledge and we focus just on Mac. So for us, Mac is really like a first class citizen where for most commercial products, again, as we talked earlier, uh, they're making most of their money on the Windows side of the house, especially in the enterprise. Windows is way more prolific. So their Mac offering is usually almost second tier. Um, you know, it doesn't really do a lot. It's kind of buggy. It breaks when Apple updates the operating system. So we're trying to take the opposite approach. Is like, look, we're just going to focus uh, on Mac um, and allow us really to design something that works um, really well. So it's kind of interesting because um, the tool kind of has two components. It has an open source framework where it basically monitors the systems for all sorts of events, you know, file events, process events, uh, USB insertions, uh, mic activation, synthetic clicks. And then what it does is it feeds all those events into Apple's game logic engine. And then what we can do is we can write rules on top of that that get fed into the game engine as well. 
And then we can actually leverage Apple's very optimized, sophisticated engine to make very uh, comprehensive um, you know, decisions based on this input and our rules. So it's a really, really neat system um, that can very efficiently detect a lot of uh, activities, both obviously malware, exploitation attempts, um, you know, you can detect insider threat. So it's a very powerful, extensible tool um, that's kind of, you know, has a lot of these Objective-C smarts uh, kind of baked into it. So I'm pretty uh, excited about it. Yeah, that's great. What's the, uh, where are you guys in the development process right now? Um, so we actually just have an early access program, which is great. We have a handful of customers who are running uh, the product and it's been really cool because um, their feedback, they're super stoked on it. One of the neat things about the product is it runs all in user mode. So it doesn't have a kernel component, which is for us a big selling point because Apple is kind of moving away from allowing third-party extensions in the kernel. So they recently Mm -hmm. added something called um, user-assisted kernel extension loading, basically where users have to manually approve the kernel extension. So they're really trying to kind of push these third-party developers out of uh, the kernel because a lot of times when you're in a kernel, if Apple pushes an update, like it might break. And if you're in the kernel and you break something, you brick, you know, you crush a box. <laughs> um, so having just a user mode piece uh, is, is just way more uh, sustainable and maintainable. Um, so yeah, the early access program has been great. Um, it's been really interesting because a lot of the requests we get are for things like new rules or analytics. So we had a customer that said, hey, I want to know anytime." Um, you know, an employee plugs in a USB device because we have a policy at work where you you shouldn't be bringing in USB devices and and plugging them in. Um, And they're like, is that something you can add to the product? And for us, it was great because we're already monitoring kind of all these different components of the the system. So we just push out a a new analytic that says, you know, alert or generate a log um, if a USB is, is plugged in. And that's something you know, we can push out with no updates to the code or the logic of, of the product. Um, so we're like, yeah, you know, 10 minutes after they asked, it's like, yeah, you know, next time the system checks in, it'll pull down this new rule. Um, so it's been really kind of cool to, to, to see that. Uh, we also have other customers who are kind of interested in using it for more uh, threat hunting. And so since we're seeing all these events, they can collect them into their own cloud infrastructure and then kind of dig through those with their threat hunting team. Uh, to look for, you know, threats, attacks, uh, et cetera, sure. et cetera. So they can see, oh, the user opened this Word document and it had persisted this cron job, which is now beaconing to this IP address. And, you know, this wasn't flagged by the AV product because it's a brand new signature, but because we have all these events, they can kind of uh, dig through that. So kind of interesting to see how it's used by different customers, but since it's so kind of generic and flexible, uh, it's very powerful at the same time. Yeah, it sounds really cool. And it, it- you mentioned, uh, you know, the kind of the malware piece of what's gone on in the Mac world. It, it hasn't really been as, uh, you know, there's not nearly the kind of malware for Mac OS as there is for Windows, obviously. And, you know, a lot of that obviously has to do with like the, the target size or whatever. Sure. Um, and I know you do some Mac OS malware analysis. Where, where do things stand right now? I mean, how much do you see like sophisticated pieces of Mac malware? Like what's kind of the state of the art right now? Yeah, and that's an excellent question, something I really love to talk about it because we're in this kind of this catch-22 where the problem is the security tools, uh, especially that are being deployed on you know enterprise systems, are not very sophisticated or advanced. So um, if there is advanced Mac malware out there, it has no problem sidestepping or circumventing that. 
So, you know, we're not necessarily seeing a ton of advanced Mac malware. Um, my belief it's because just the security tools we have um, aren't mature enough to necessarily detect that. For example, if you look on the Windows side of the house, I mean, every six months or every now and again, um, you know, there is a discovery of some new APT group that has some like incredible Windows capabilities where, you know, like Stuxnet would be a great example, uh, Flame, Gauss, some of the other um, kind of Windows implants where you look at that and you're like, okay, this is obviously nation state grade developed by, you know, a team of very sophisticated engineers. And it'd be very naive to think that these same nation states don't have similar Mac capabilities uh, because, you know, the Mac is just another computing system. Obviously high value targets are going to use Mac computers. Um, so, you know, I'm hundred percent confident that, you know, uh, nation states that have comprehensive uh, cybersecurity, offensive cybersecurity programs, uh, hacking programs are going to have uh, Mac capabilities. And every now and again, we kind of detect one, we, you know, the general, um, you know, AV community, uh, detect a nation state Mac implant. Um, and, you know, they're, they're okay, but I don't think we've really detected the, you know, the, the A-team yet. Um, yeah. But, you know, again, as I said, I think it would be, by, be naive to assume that it's, it's not out there. Um, but they're probably more targeted. Again, there's just less Macs. So, you know, um, you know, there's probably less of these uh, tools being installed. Um, so therefore, sure. by definition, more difficult to find. But I also think the security tools that we have um, on macOS are just not as um, sophisticated. But you know, I think it was last last year we had the uh, Windtail uh, Windshift APT group that had their Mac implant was called Windtail targeting right. uh, individuals of a certain Middle Eastern government, and they kind of had an interesting exploit vector to target Mac OS, and then the implant would persist and um, look for certain file extensions, wrap all those up, and send those off to a command and control server. Um, not an incredibly sophisticated piece of malware, but obviously something that was designed with cyber espionage in mind. Again, they targeted just a very handful of select individuals um, and then, you know, try to exfiltrate sensitive files off there. So, um, you know, I think that the more advanced nation state Mac malware is definitely out there. Um, I just think currently we are not doing as good a job detecting it as we could. Yeah, that's pro that's probably true. And what about like on the kind of more commodity side of things? We've seen some Mac ransomware in the last couple of years. Um, do you think we're going to see more of that as as kind of the the user base continues to grow? And like obviously ransomware has turned in turned out to be a pretty successful business model. Yeah, it's interesting, and that's that's a good question. Um, you know, I'd say the two kind of areas that I would say the average Mac user should be concerned or is more likely to you know, be targeted or infected by. Um, it's just kind of generic adware. And now not so much ransomware, it's probably more cryptocurrency miners. Um, so oh, what yeah. hackers doing is, um, you know, they will target legitimate third-party developer websites or application websites. And then, you know, kind of the supply chain type attacks where they will infect the legitimate applications on these legitimate sites. And then when a user comes to download these applications, they will get a trojanized version. So really no fault of the user. They're just going to a trusted website and downloading, you know, what they think is legit software. 
Yep. Um, run it, then their system will be infected. If we look at the payloads of these attacks, and again, kind of the beauty of these attacks from a hacker's point of view is they can hit a ton of users without having to specifically target each, each user. Um, the payloads for these attacks are generally cryptocurrency miners or generic adware, where it will like, you know, inject ads into the browser session, uh, you know, kind of lame from a you know, malware point of view, but these are the things that make hackers money. Um, you know, if they can just right. install a persistent cryptocurrency miner and, you know, mine, mine, mine in the background, you know, that's going to bring in a steady stream to the hacker um, without having them to deal with, you know, uh, credit card theft and, you know, all these complicated things. Um, so I'd say those are kind of the two main trends we're seeing. And as you noted, I think they'll just continue as uh, Macs become more prolific. The good thing is uh, both Windows and Mac, uh, you know, the, the operating system uh, design methodologies these days are grounded a lot in security. You know, whereas 20 years ago, you're designing an OS, you're not really thinking about protecting the user from getting infected by adware. Where now, <laughs> baked into the operating system, there's a lot of protections, both on Windows and Macs and other operating systems as well. So I don't think it's ever going to be this like epidemic uh, just because now the OS is already so kind of secure um, with all these baked in security mechanisms. Um, but, you know, one of my favorite quotes is there's no patch for human stupidity, which is a little harsh. But, you know, as long as users are like downloading and clicking random files, they will, you know, be in infected. So there's there's still going to be adware, cryptocurrency miners, ransomware. Um, but Apple... And Windows, you know, each version of the OS has more and more built-in security uh, mechanisms to protect the user from these kind of, let's say, mistakes or, or attacks, which is generally a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I know you got to run soon, but before I let you go, I wanted to ask you about the uh, Objective by the Sea conference that uh, I think you're you're running your second version of it in uh, in June in the location the last one you had it in hawaii this location sounds even more absurd in monaco um <laughs> so what's uh what's the speaker lineup like is this strictly focused on mac or is it kind of across the board yeah so what objective by the sea is it's uh, the world's only mac security conference um so similarly as when i started developing these tools i saw kind of this need or yeah where there weren't these tools available um, I said, hey, look, there's there's not a, a conference that specifically is focused on macOS and iOS uh, kind of as well. So, you know, I'd go to a conference um, like DEF CON, which is an amazing conference. Um, and I would kind of, the talks that would be of most interest to me would be the Mac security talks. And there'd be like, you know, two or three, and I would be stoked. But I said, look, let's have a whole conference just about that. So we started last year in Hawaii, uh, which was an amazing success. Um you know, we had a lot of great speakers and kind of one of the main feedback from the attendees were, you know, all the talks were super interesting. Um, and that's not to say talks at other conferences aren't. It's just the topic was, you know, Mac security and iOS security. So someone who's interested in that doesn't have to pick and choose what talks to go to. And there might only be one or two. It's like, well, the whole day or day, two days will be full of, of talks. Uh, and I remember one of the speakers gave a great talk. You know, I was like, thank you. I was like, feel free to, you know, go to the pool. This is Hawaii. Like, go out and enjoy the beach. <laughs> and they said, you know, they said, yeah, that sounds awesome. But, you know, there's all these talks this afternoon that I want to attend. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I was like, wow, that's, that's, that's really cool. Um, 
So yeah, as you mentioned, version 2.0 is going to be in June, uh, June 1st and 2nd in uh, Monaco. Um, you know, the name is Objective by the Sea, so we had to do it somewhere by the sea. I wanted to do it in Europe because I had a lot of friends who, you know, couldn't make the, the one to Hawaii because, you know, it's, it, it was a far, uh, far trek. Um, sure. We just announced all the talks and I mean, this lineup is just <laughs> incredible. I mean, we have, you know, people like Ian Beer who work for Project uh, Google Project Zero, probably the, the most prolific um, iOS and Mac OS uh, bug finder in the world. Uh, we yeah. have Jonathan Levin talking. He's the author of the uh, Mac OS and iOS internals book. So he has like literally written the book on uh, <laughs> Mac OS uh, internals. Uh, we have some of the really well-known jailbreak, uh, POSIX Ninja. Um, this guy, Josh, he's giving a talk on a really interesting bug that actually was introduced in Mac OS 9. So it has had a very, very kind of long time period. And then just a lot of other really great speakers talking on, um, you know, malware samples, uh, vulnerabilities, zero days, uh, new tools for detecting, protecting this. Um, so really it's like if, if people are interested in Mac security and iOS security, like this is really the conference to go to. Um, and there's a few other interesting things about the conference. Um, one is if you are a Patreon supporter of Objective-C, even for $1, the conference is free. So again, this is not a money-making venture. Um, actually, probably lose a little bit of money on the conference, but that's okay. <laughs> the goal is really, again, just to share this information and to bring uh, security researchers and you know attendees together and so that we can collaborate and, and really, really connect. Um, so again, it's kind of uh, this altruistic vision of, of, you know, kind of sharing is caring, um, you know, you know, getting people um, together. And we will be live streaming as well. So if people can't make the, the trip, they can um, hop on. Um, the other thing is, if you're a student, uh, the conference is 100% free to attend. Uh, so you don't even have to be a supporter. Um, again, you know, we want to um, kind of, you know, inspire students, make this information um, really available. And we started that the first one in Hawaii. And it was great because a lot of, you know, high school students came and they got to meet a lot of these, you know, very talented uh, Mac security researchers and, you know, approach them and talk to them about how do you get into this? You know, what should I do? And so to see the kids and the students kind of be able to interact in that manner was just, ah, it was like inspiring. So um, it's something that we want to um, continue to kind of um, support. Uh, so yeah, again, I think it's just an amazing uh, Mac security conference. It is in Monaco, which is also <laughs> amazing as well. <laughs> yeah. um, in the lineup. So, you know, hopefully people who are listening can, uh, you know, uh, either attend or like I said, there'll be a live stream of the talks. Um, the conference website is objective by the Um, and yeah, Dennis, hopefully you can, uh, <laughs> you can make it so we can do a podcast with some of the speakers, uh, you know, from the hotel's private beach. This sounds great. If if I can talk my boss into letting me go to Monaco, I'm absolutely going. <laughs> um, and if not, we will do version uh, 3.0 back in Hawaii sometime, probably um, you know this upcoming uh, winter. Um, so there we go. All right, that I might be a little more doable. You know, um, but it is funny just because I, I one of the other reasons we started the conference was I had a lot of friends that work for companies that would have. Uh, travel budgets and training budgets. And they said, you know, Patrick, if you organize a conference in Hawaii, like, I can use my travel budget to come to Hawaii. Like, this is a great idea. Um, so it's kind of just this win-win where, 
Um, you know, it's small. We usually have about 100 attendees. Uh, so it's kind of like everyone can kind of mingle the speakers, attendees. Um, and it's just a really, for me, it was just an incredible experience. Um, so we're just going to... Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And that, those small ones like that are... are I think the most valuable, at least for me, and I, I think for a lot of people, because um, you can talk to everybody. You can meet exactly. anyone you want to meet. You can talk to all the speakers. You see them all day long. Um, and you're not overwhelmed with like 50 tracks, like, you know, Black Hat or some of the larger conferences where you're like, shit, I don't even know what to go see. You know, there's yeah. just too many choices. Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. So um, it's kind of this, this different approach, I think works, works, uh, you know, works really, really well. It's just this kind of different mindset. Um, and again, since the talks are all focused on Mac security and iOS, um, if that's your jam, like you're, you're just stoked. Oh yeah. Plus you're in Hawaii or Monaco. So it's not <laughs> the struggle is real. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> All right, Patrick, thanks so much for your time, man. I know you got to run, but uh, I really appreciate you doing this. And uh, for everybody out there, go check out Patrick's, uh, Patrick's tools at objective-c.com and support what he's doing. It's great work. All right. Thanks again, Dennis. I really appreciate uh, you reaching out. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Um, and then talk about all this max security stuff. So uh, I hope we will connect uh, in the near future and, and, and chat more. Sounds good. Thanks, Patrick. Take care.